Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Stoker. That makes me your other co-host, Chris LaSalle. Hello, Chris. Hey, Dave. How are you? All's well. We are back at it again. Sure. Some more men in red jumpsuits. And we are joined once again by a Star Trek Listener Federation member, Dave Etchinson. Welcome back, Dave. Hi. Hey, Dave. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming back. Of course. Thank you for uh, letting me come back again. Happy to have you. Yes. Uh, it's fun to geek out with fellow fellow fans. Yes. Yeah, I love the Listener Federation. I love seeing everything that people post and they, um, you know, we talk about and stuff, the little theories that everyone has, and it's, it's great. So if you're not a member, join now. But today we're talking about minute number 14, and this minute starts with a really familiar woman in cafeteria standing in an officer's lounge. And this ends with Uhura saying, Sir, security reports the doors to Spock's quarters have been forced. So yes, woman in cafeteria. Is how she's credited. Yes, we we know who she is. We sure do. This uh, so this this got me super excited when I saw this minute. Um, this was what really really kind of got me going was uh, Yeoman Rand but showing back up. But it's not Yeoman Rand. It is Commander Rand now. Apparently, actually, she's credited as Chris was saying as we were joking, woman <laughs> in cafeteria. Commander in cafeteria. Yep. So um, it's weird, right? I wonder. Go ahead, Stoker. I know you're. No, I was gonna. So I, I actually looked that up, and you know, I'm like, no, they didn't just credit her as you know, as a woman in the cafeteria. And sure enough, they did. They credit her as woman in the cafeteria. Her rank is commander, and apparently, Yeoman Rand, who later becomes, I think, Lieutenant Rand, never achieves the rank of commander. So this is not. Rand. Oh, that's weird. So that's so weird. My guess is that uh, we, in, you and I have talked about it before, Chris. Is you know members of the extended Star Trek universe seem to come back in different roles over and over again. You know whether it's a stuntman or you know was a, a character, and then they, you know Majel Barrett is a, is a famous one. She was you know in the first episode, and you know she became the voice of the computer, and then she became you know Loxana Troy. You know they just sort of come back and i think this is probably the same sort of thing where she was a former you know actress on the show she was in the first movie and she probably was like hey i'll i'll be in the movie and they were like well we don't want we don't want rand in the in the movie we you know but if you want to be in it we'll we'll stick in a scene it seems an odd choice though right because because yeah you're right the continuity wise she was in the motion picture she was trans Porter Chief was her title there, right? She was, I think she was, she was there for the the, the melting scene. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then she comes back in Star Trek Four as as Commander Janice Rand. So wh- why not just 
why not just credit her? Like, here she is, you know, it's, it's Janice Rand. Say, like, hey, it's Janice Rand just making a cameo. Why not just, I don't understand why they had to, you know, dumb her down to woman in cafeteria. Is it like a SAG thing? Like, do they have to pay more if you're a named actor or a named character in a I movie? I wonder. Hmm, I hadn't really thought about that. Maybe, but that's still kind of sad, right? I mean, it's not like she was, you know, I think she, she was a secondary character, but, I mean, one of the bigger second secondary characters, she had a lot of... Oh, moments, yeah, definitely. Right? No, she was huge in season one. Yeah. So, uh, Dave, you're a, a fan of, of Janice? Oh, of course I'm a fan of Janice Rand. She was all over season one. I mean, she's the reason that Kirk was able to keep the ship running. <laughs> she's the one who really took care of things. Definitely. Good old with Yeoman, right? Yeoman Rand? Yeoman Rand. Rand. No, yeah, I always really like her on, on, on that show. Yeah, it's cool to see her. I, I, I think I remember, I could be misremembering, but I think I remember being like, hey, that's Yeoman Rand. Uh, for when you first see her here. So it's a, it's a nice, there's a, and I might be reading way too much into this, you know, this moment, this, this, this is a, one of my favorite moments in search for Spock is this scene here, you know, with the, the enterprise passing by this officer's lounge or cafeteria. And, you know, all these people stand up and just in awe of like, Oh my God, you know, looking at all the damage, um, to this, you know, famous, famous starship. Um, and I, and I wonder how much of, you know, the emotional weight is there because, because Janice is there. It's someone we know, someone that's connected with, with this ship has been around forever. And, uh, you know, she's seeing her old ship being like, Oh my God, what happened? And yeah, she gives a little shake to her head there. Like, you know, she can't, she's like almost disbelief of what has happened. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I was wondering about that. I, I, she, is she shaking her head like she's sad at what's happened, or is she shaking her head like oh, Kirk? Yeah, maybe. What did, you, what, what did you do this time? Saying if I'd been there, you wouldn't be in this mess. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, what do you guys think of this shot? This, this, this. I, the uh, Chris loves this shot of Enterprise out the window. So, two things that I noticed about. You know, this particular shot, looking from behind, you know, you're looking at all these people in this lounge and you see the Enterprise coming. The perspective and the the distance between the Enterprise and the Excelsior, that's really close. Like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize, like, how close they were going to park together because the shot before, it looked like they were going to be farther apart. But now it's like they're, like, right next to each other. Well, I... Okay, so... <laughs> My note was like, where the hell's the Enterprise going? Because it looks like it's about to crash into the Excelsior, doesn't it? I mean, it doesn't look as that much that far much farther away. Yeah. Uh, unless the Excelsior is in, indeed that much bigger than Enterprise. Well, that's what I was wondering. Is it a perspective thing? Like we're seeing it, and like it is really just that massive, and where it's really far, you know far away. It's one of those tricks of the eye. You know, when you see something, you know, in a weird perspective, and you're like, "Wow, that's not very big," and then you get closer, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's huge!" Right. It's got to be that because otherwise, the Enterprise would be just crashing into it right now. Right. Um, the other thing I notice is, and we may have mentioned this in a previous minute before about, and it might have been the minute when they first get to Starbase, uh, space dock, and the doors open, and either you or I may have asked the question of, "Are there other doors?" And I think that that lighted up sort of reverse C thing 
is that another dock? Because it looks like those are another, you know, another set of doors. I think it's another set of doors. Yeah. So those were the two things that I noticed, particularly about that shot. Other than it's pretty cool. This is a, it's a, it's a really cool shot. It's a goofy scene without Rand there. If you look at it and imagine Rand is not there, this is like the goofiest set they could have come up with. And thank God they put her in it. Because I think there's there's nothing there. Like, the emotional weight would be totally different without her looking out the window. Oh, you mean you don't like tan bald guy or weird jumpsuit man from behind? Yeah, what is that guy wearing? He He is wearing like, some sort of weird smock thing that just, like, some bad design from the motion picture. He looks like a Futurama background character. <laughs> nice. Well, so speaking of costumes, it's uh, when Rand is shaking her head, the woman that's sitting on the couch yeah. with the big giant earrings, uh, she's wearing Carol Marcus's casual wear from regular. She totally is. That's exactly what she was wearing. Yep, that blue, uh, that blue, uh, that blue shirt. Yeah, and there's another in the reverse shot where you're looking at the crowd from behind. There's another guy wearing uh, what looks like one of the scientist outfits from regular as well. So there's a yeah. lot of reused costumes happening in in, uh, in this set, which goes back to they had this massive budget. <clears throat> Come on, guys, what are you doing? Did anybody figure out what the magazine was on the table? <laughs> anybody notice there's a magazine? There's like plants and... Is it a uh, magazine? It, yeah, there's magazines. I'm like, what is this, a, a doctor's office? What is that, is an ashtray? Of, like Omni back there? It kind of looks like that, Dave. I agree. Oh, my! Oh, it totally does. Right. I, I couldn't... I couldn't... I can't read it, but I would love to know. So if any of you uh, listeners out there want to figure out what magazine is sitting on the on the table, that would be fantastic. Well, that round white circular thing totally looks like an ashtray. Yeah, of course. Because, you know, they smoked in space. Sure. Nice tasteful potted plant. Yeah, I agree. There's something about this scene. Like, I, I love the scene of the, but the, you know, with, with the Enterprise going by, but them, the, the behind shot, it just, it, it almost makes me think of a set from Logan's Run, if you if you remember that movie. Uh, sure, like, yeah. It, it just that's what it makes me feel of feel like like I'm watching it. Like I see the Enterprise, but when I look at the people standing there, I almost feel like they're going into the what's the big uh, carousel? Carousel, yeah. They're they're like going into carousel. Like it, I, I just feel like that's how it was filmed. Like it just looks a little a little fake. Yeah, I mean the mat, the mat work, and you know the blue screen they must have used is you know kind of obvious. But even in things in the in the reverse shot, the the I don't know canisters in the foreground, the you know the, it says five one one on it. Yeah, that's what it, I mean. Yeah, it, it just looks it's a little... got a very seventies sci fi feel to it. Right. Yeah, I agree. I I feel okay. I gotta. I just gotta say, I, I feel bad we're nitpicking this because again, this is still one of my favorite moments from the film because the enterprise to me is like i've talked about it before the enterprise for me is an is a character yeah oh uh, yeah definitely just, you know just like kirk and spock and uh, mccoy the enterprise is too and seeing her wounded uh and seeing people's reaction to her being wounded and being sad for her right uh, it 
I have an emotional response to it. <laughs> and uh, so I, even though we're picking at it, I, I love this moment. Oh, no, I, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, seeing their reactions to, you know, they're standing up and they're taking notice of the damage that has been done to this, you know, iconic vessel. It's the, the flagship of the, you know, the Federation. Speaking yeah, of damage, the, they, they cut to an, you know, an exterior shot, I guess, of, of the Enterprise. And I feel like you get just another great look at all of the damage. It's like, you know, just that everything's so crisp and, you know, you can see all the scorch marks and the yeah. plating that's been added see, on. You and, can see into, like, the Enterprise. Yeah. They shine like a spotlight right on it, too, so you can really see it. Exactly, just to kind of rub it in in a way, <laughs> and even the even the the body of the uh, of the Enterprise, the, the main body is not specifically scorched, but it's all, you can tell it's all dirty. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is probably just carryover from from all the you know the laser blasts and stuff, and so it just they did an amazing job, and the and it's just they filmed it beautifully. Yeah, I feel like the uh, shots of the Enterprise are not the problem with this minute. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have a problem with? Do you have other problems with this minute, Dave? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have um, a couple. Go ahead. Oh well, one of the <laughs> so one one of the ones. It is. Uh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. Uh, I'm jumping ahead. There's there's almost to the end of the minute. There's a a a display on the bridge um, of the Enterprise, and it's labeled it's labeled S one Heavy Cruiser. And um, I started doing research. I'm like, "What well, is the Enterprise? It's supposed to be an S one Heavy Cruiser." And I I went down this Star Trek universe rat hole of. <laughs> of well, yes, the refit is a heavy cruiser, but you know it's Constitution class heavy cruiser and Phase One and blah blah blah. I, I, I had to pull myself out. I could not get down to the, <laughs> to the the source of is Enterprise actually a heavy cruiser or not? I couldn't. So, not a fan of it. So, so let's jumping go, back. To, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yes. No, I was just gonna say. So you know, the first half of the minute is them, you know, pulling into pulling into space dock. You know, Kirk says, you know, stand by umbilical and gravitational supports, and Sulu's, you know, still doing his stuff. <clears throat> and then the one-man bad acting show turns around in his chair, and I love Chekhov. I really do. I just feel like I don't want to say he mailed in this uh, this these couple of lines, but I just don't. I'm not. And again, I, going back to what you said, Chris, about nitpicking. Like, yeah, I'm nitpicking. I, I just. You know, I just didn't like the way he delivered. He just—he looks like he's acting. I don't—I don't see Sulu. I look at the actor. You don't like it? I, this is not possible. You don't like all that? I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I—I I thought I didn't have a problem with. It. I thought it was. It seems like Chekhov to me. Chekhov is always—I don't know—excitable. Is that the emotional? I don't know. He just, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's his facial expression or the way he's sitting. Like, I don't, I don't know. Something about his delivery just is not, I'm not buying it. I ain't buying it. <laughs> is it everything he's saying? So not just the, you know, this is not possible. Or is it him explaining the energy readings and, um, 
I sealed the room myself. Is the whole the whole sequence? I don't know. Again, I can't I can't put my finger on it, but it's the you know the way he you know this is not possible. To the way he turns around, the you know part of it's the way he's sitting, the way he's just sort of sitting there, with his hands on the on the armrests, and I just I just find the his delivery, his presence, the way he's delivering the lines, I just find it all not his usual top shelf acting. I disagree. Okay. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. <laughs> You're allowed to disagree, as John Carlyle said in the uh, in the Federation. Uh, the Listener Federation, we're allowed to disagree. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, the, so this scene, this sequence, right? So everything's, everything's happening. All, all systems go, everything's happening normal. I, uh, I thought this was a, this is a nice carryover from Rathacon. You know, we get to see all of this procedural stuff, you know, of how, how does a starship dock, right? So you get all this fun fun things they mention, but they don't explain what the umbilical and gravitational support, you know, they don't say any of that stuff. So I, I get, I get start to get lost in that a little bit and then, um, in a good way. And then, yeah, now we've got this, this, this moment of this security alert. Right. Um, and <laughs> Dave here, Stoker, maybe this will help you. So if you, you don't like his <laughs> checkups acting, uh, it is fun looking over his shoulder at the at the graphics of the monitors. It's 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 almost like it's as he's telling a story. Like the monitors behind him is you know it's changing scenes. Like oh well, look the it's going down to the next deck and it's lighting up the it's zooming in on this on Spock's quarters and you can kind of see it's like watching a, you know a Google map of trying to get to your destination of Spock's quarters. Yeah, a little bit. Focus on that next time. Okay. So what it's do you think, a, Dave? Is Sulu, I got a question. Jumping back a couple of seconds. Is Sulu sassing Kirk a bit there? Because Kirk's talking about all these umbilicals and everything, and Sulu kind of turns around and he's like, yes, sir, Boring's activated. And I kind of wonder if he's if he's kind of throwing some shade or something there. <laughs> you mean like, I know what I'm doing, you don't need to tell me? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got it, man. It's, yeah, a little like that. <laughs> I think it's a really good point. I, I wonder that this ha- this happens in other minutes too, where does Kirk have to say these things in order for them to happen? <laughs> or, or um, shouldn't this just be part of Sulu's job of docking a spaceship? <laughs> you know, does he does Kirk have to say to stand by on those umbilical gravitational systems? Well, he's the captain. <sighs> yeah, I mean, he they talk about all, throughout the whole docking sequence about you know um you know going back a couple you know minutes and you know uh, ohora says approach control this is enterprise you know ready for docking maneuver and the controller says enterprise is cleared and you know kirk's like lock on space dock you have control and so he i think there must be a i mean we're obviously entering a sensitive area here um if something goes wrong you know they crash into the side or you know next thing you know they both blow up and uh, you know, you know, space bus, you know, space dock is no more. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just a procedural thing. Yeah, it's. I didn't necessarily think like I didn't think that Sulu was sassing him, but I can definitely see how you can be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing, man. I got it. All right. So, yeah. So then we find out that uh, you know, 
Chekhov tells Kirk that, you know, Spock's quarters have been, something's going on, there's an energy reading, and, you know, Kirk mentions, you know, he says, I, I ordered those those sealed, and, you know, Chekhov telling everyone that he he sealed the room himself, but he sees a life form, you know, he sees a life form there. And um, Kirk's line I found very interesting. This entire crew seems on the edge of obsessive behavior concerning Mr. Spock. Like, what does he mean there? Like, we haven't, yeah, we, we haven't really heard anything about Mr. Spock until this very moment. So, what is he really referring to? Because he even, and I'm going to go back way, you know, way back to the beginning of his monologue, and he quotes that most of the crew has been switched out. So, you know, um, I'm trying to find exactly. What he says, where he says, um, you know, with most of our battle damage repaired, we're almost home, yet I feel uneasy. Uh, most of our trainee crew has been reassigned. So who is we referring to? I think I might have an answer to that. Okay. Take it away. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, in earlier minutes, I've been talking about things that have been, that happened in the novelization in the, the early drafts of the script. There are things that happened before we see Kirk, you know, doing his, his, his captain's log on right. the bridge, uh, there's a, there's a wake for Spock. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's an encounter. Kirk has an encounter with McCoy on a turbo lift. And McCoy's acting all weird. And he says something very s- similar to something Spock would say. Uh, I, I, so I think, I think that's, I think that's what he's. I think that's what his line is supposed to refer to. Is what he's referring to, even though none of that's in the film. I think it might be referring to. So some of the language is bleeding over from the novelization into the movie, like scenes that we may not have been privy to, that that's, sort of thing. That's what I think. Or, or it's just a little bit of exposition for us that's telling us, okay, this is, there's some weirdness happening on the ship that we haven't been privy to, and. We're just learning it now, and this right. is just not, this is another example because it does, you know, as a as the audience, like, you know, what are we supposed to be thinking right now? Ooh, what the heck is in Spock's quarters? And yeah, by Kirk, by Kirk saying that, you're like, okay, well, maybe there's some, you know, nut job in there. Well, I, I don't know, a prankster. Maybe there is. Maybe. I hope we find out. So, and then you know, Uhura says, you know, sir, security reports the door to Spock's quarters have been forced. And that's where it ends, right? Is that the end of the minute? Find out next time on the Star Trek Minute. <laughs> uh, that's where my notes ended. I guess that's where the minute ended, too. But I, I didn't have any other notes. Uh, Dave, how about you? No, I don't really have anything else on this minute. Stoker, how about you? No, I'm good. I'm, I just am still you know, pondering that line. I mean, I know you sort of explain it, and I guess... I guess Maybe they had filmed more things, and maybe there was a confrontation or something, and we're just not privy to it. I okay, this is stupid, and we may have to cut it. Uh, all, all I can picture right now is the reason Kirk had to have Spock's quarters sealed is because someone broke in there and you know put on one of Spock's uniforms, was running down the hallway, like oh, I miss Spock, Spock, I miss Spock. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that may be the best theory ever. <laughs> I I swear I did not plan that. It just popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs>
I think <laughs> I think we need to end there, and we're. Uh, Star we'll see Trek. you next time on Star Trek Minute. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, before we do that, before we do that, I do. So our guest is here. Dave's here with us, and uh, so Dave, we you know we we love to kind of learn a little bit more about you and and what Star Trek means. And so uh, one of the one of the fun things we like to do is is ask you to uh, rank the Star Trek films from your whatever ranking you think your favorite to your least favorite and um if you want to try and rank all 13 of the star trek films go for it but uh do you want to give it a give it a, give it a shot um i'm not going to do all 13 because like other than generations i don't really like tng movies that much <laughs> um but uh yeah it's uh i've been thinking about it and i think i'd go probably two six four Three, one, and then five. One and then four. Five, I approve of. Yeah. <laughs> five at the bottom, sure. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, so motion picture, you'd put way down the list, huh? Well, I don't know where else to put it, because I like it, but I give I give Search for Spock a lot of credit, because it's that bridge between two and four. And I think I think the two, three, four trilogy is... is is almost like one whole movie. It's one big story. Right. And three kind of just carries us through that middle section to sort of get things, get things there, you know? So, so it, it climbs some points for me just for that. I, f- I find one is, is a little hard to place. And I'm sure we've talked about this before. It's, it's, it's almost like a thing unto itself. Yeah. I mean, I think we've mentioned like, it's like a prequel almost like, you know, the, the series really starts with, you know, Wrath of Khan, yeah. which was one of our reasons for starting on Wrath of Khan versus starting on one. But yeah, it just feels like it's it's not in the same universe as the other the other five. Yeah, it was like a it was like a weird misfire that kind of floats out there that's good on its own but doesn't seem to fit. One of these things is not like the others. Awesome. Alright, so 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 you're only you're you're content to just you're you're gonna stick with the the original series, first six. Yeah, I mean, the the TNG movies are their own thing. It's its own series, and there's one I think that's pretty good, and one that's okay, and the rest are I couldn't even tell you which one, which order they came out in. <laughs> I, I think I'm on. The, <laughs> I think I'm in the same boat you are. Uh, I, I always get the last two confused. I'm like, which one was that one again? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, they were they did they did not stick in my memory at all. Um, okay, well, cool, well, cool. Uh, so so we're so we're talking about your fourth favorite Star Trek film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. We'll have to have you back as we go further up the list. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, then why don't we why don't we wrap it up here? And uh, Dave, would you be able to come back on Friday and join us for one more minute? I think I can do that. Sweet. Okay. Well, in the meantime, folks, if you are looking for us online, we're on some of the f- social media out there, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr now. You can, uh, we are Star Trek Minute on all of those things. So feel free to, to stop in and check things out. And we'd love to hear from you if you want to chat. And we are going to be back again on Friday with Minute 15 of the Search for Spock here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. This is not possible. You need a little more Russian on that, buddy. This is not possible.
<laughs> that was horrible Russian. <laughs> <laughs>